everyone and welcome to this Hardwick podcast. My name is Lawrence Page and today I'm delighted to be joined by my colleague Colm Nugent, uh, who's going to be discussing the topic of uh, a recent case of his called Wright and Troy Lucas, involving uh, Colm's client, uh, Mr Wright, um, and the defendant was a Mackenzie friend. Uh, Colm, tell me a bit um, about what that case was all about. Well, poor Mr Wright um, went to hospital because uh, he had a problem with his abdomen and they had an operation, and the operation went spectacularly badly. Um, he was left with fairly significant injuries to his abdomen. He was left with pieces of the plastic bag used in the operation protruding from the wound in his stomach. And all in all, it was a particularly bad outcome. He decided, not perhaps unsurprisingly, to pursue a claim against the NHS Trust, but he couldn't unfortunately find any solicitors to take the case on. So he issued the claim himself, and it was then that he came across the firm of Troy Lucas, what was in the plastic bag? The plastic bag is used to prevent the wound when they make the incision, to prevent the um, abdomen joining together. So they put a plastic bag in. Oh, I see, just to separate the two out. Yeah, I think they're supposed to take it back out again. Right, yeah. But they didn't. Uh, and was it, was it protruding from his skin or just it was all... Yes, it was, it was inside his stomach and little bits of it were protruding from his wound. Blimey. Um, which, of course, then wasn't, um, wasn't healing because the whole point of the plastic bag is to stop it healing. How long did it take him to realise there was a plastic bag in his stomach? Well, I think he realised quite quickly when it wasn't healing at all. It was quite painful. Um, so he found Troy Lucas and, and um, take the story on on from there. What what happened when uh, when Troy Lucas um, uh, started representing him? Well, well Troy Lucas um, operated from a um, office premises in Romford and they styled themselves as the litigation company. Up until this point, I have to say, I didn't actually realise until I took this case on that, in fact, such a thing as paid Mackenzie friends actually existed. But that's exactly what they were. So they were not qualified lawyers. They were um, Mackenzie friends. But on top of that, they charged fees for their representation. And they offered to represent an act for Mr. Wright uh, upon his paying them fairly substantial fees and uh, effectively a slice of the outcome. And is there any difficulty in someone who isn't legally qualified, holding themselves out as being uh, a, um, a litigation firm? Well, Mackenzie Friends operates in a slightly grey area because, um, of course, all litigation services are regulated activities um, and you're not permitted, unless you are a lawyer, to conduct litigation. But Mackenzie Friends, who are not entitled to conduct litigation, do often help in the courts. And because there's no actual regulation as to what they can do and what they can't do, and of course what they can and can't do is not necessarily known to their clients, they operate in a, in a system whereby they can provide certain assistance, representation and advice, and they can then charge the client for it. And of course there's no cap on what they can charge. So from the client's perspective, uh, is there any um, outward-facing difference between... Um, uh, a professional Mackenzie friend or litigation firm and a firm of solicitors? Well, that, of course, it depends on the Mackenzie friend and that depends on the extent to which they are willing to tell their potential client that they are not solicitors of the things they can't do and the extent to which they are willing to point out to their potential client the things they can't and can't do and why they're different to solicitors. As the decision itself shows, um, Troy Lucas tried very much to uh, indicate to anyone who read their head of paper or to read their signage that, in fact, they were fairly skilled in the provision of litigation services, which turns out they weren't. 
So, um, tell us then, what what what, uh, what happened in the original case? Did um, did Mr. Wright get some compensation for his, his carry bag? Well, Mr. Wright did get some compensation, not very much. Um, I think he ended up with about fourteen thousand pounds or thereabouts. But unfortunately, because the NHS Trust, who are act, who are of course acting via fairly experienced solicitors, had made that offer to him a long time ago. When it, he ultimately accepted that sum, he ended up with a fairly substantial cost bill of about seventy thousand pounds. Now, if you stop and pause for a moment, here's a chap who had obviously been fairly severely injured as a consequence of his operation. He ends up winning his case, but he ended up paying the NHS Trust £70,000 as opposed to them paying him pretty much anything at all. So, in a word, not a terribly happy um, solution for, for Mr Wright well, at a, that stage. A, a, I think a disastrous outcome uh, from all perspectives. And the odd thing about it, of course, is that all the way through this, Mr Wright was appearing in front of um, the High Court Master um, Troy Lucas, via their um, uh, representative, Mr. Ruse, was appearing in the same hearings. And at no stage um, did anyone appear to raise the question as to how come Mr. Wright, in a clinical negligence case, is being represented by someone who plainly is not a lawyer or solicitor of any description. So let, let's roll it back a bit, um, because, um, as we know, the uh, the regulators that, that sit over us have done a very good job in, um, in effectively... Um, uh, preserving the uh, um, the guild structure of what what solicitors can do and what barristers can do um, yet this this gray area of Mackenzie friends has somehow um, appeared nonetheless um, why is that and what was the original idea behind Mackenzie friends uh, and why does the court ever um, is ever prepared to, to listen to someone who isn't either a lawyer or, or the litigant him or herself well Mackenzie friends will be particularly familiar to people who do um family work and possibly immigration work where they appear fairly often the idea of course behind it was that the Mackenzie friend would be someone who is literally a friend or perhaps a family member who goes along and gives some help and assistance to the litigant in the presentation of their case helps them if they're a little bit nervous a handholder more or less it was never really anticipated when they first came on the scene which is in the 1970s that they would do anything other than effectively be a friend or a mentor in this presentation of a case to someone who felt they couldn't appear in front of a judge and um, advocate their um, position clearly. And are there any rules about um, payment of McKenzie friends? None that I can find. Um, the problem is that it's been recognised for some time. I mean, the Legal Services Consumer Panel in 2013 um, warned about um, struck off sisters acting as Mackenzie friends and since this case took place I've been made aware of a number of instances in which uh, struck off barristers or barristers who aren't permitted to practice have been acting as Mackenzie friends but there doesn't appear to be any regulation um, whereby they are uh, required to charge a minimum or a maximum or indeed that they are even required to um, be transparent as what they do charge it's very much a grey area in the sense that there is no regulation there's no insurance, there's no oversight body and the courts are um, not in a position because of uh, pressure of cuts to regulate the McKenzie friends, and the government doesn't appear to want to. Um, okay, so what uh, what real difference is there between a properly regulated law firm and um, a setup in in Romford High Street that uh, that's holding itself out as being a litigation firm, but actually has no qualifications at all? Well, um, a qualified lawyer is permitted to conduct litigation, give advice, 
they are permitted to do a whole range of things, um, but they have certain requirements. They have to uh, undergo training. They have to undergo uh, continuing professional development. They have to um, have insurance. They have to have practicing certificates and all the rest of it. They're overseen by their regulatory body, the Law Society of the Bar Council, and the Legal Services Ombudsman. By contrast, a McKenzie friend has got the same level of legal qualifications as the person who runs the dry cleaners. Ultimately, none at all. Uh, they are provided with oversight to the same extent as the dry cleaners are. In fact, the dry cleaners probably provide with more oversight. Um, the McKenzie friend does not exist as a, a profession in itself at all. All it is is someone who fancies um, charging people for advice and assistance and does so. That doesn't mean that in every instance um, the provision of advice and assistance, even on a paid basis, is a mad thing. But the problem is once you have an opportunity to charge fairly substantial fees in circumstances where you do not have to have any of the overheads of a law firm, then the temptation to provide more and more assistance at a greater and greater cost um, is sometimes overwhelming, particularly in circumstances, for example, in immigration, where perhaps the first language of the person who's seeking the assistance isn't English, but the first language of the Mackenzie friend is also the first language of the person that they're hoping to represent. Um. Okay, so we've we've heard the disaster story of the uh, the Wright case. Um, uh, is that a one-off, or are there any other circumstances where a paid McKenzie friend has been brought in and and, and uh, it's been a bit of a disaster for the litigant? Well, um, there have been no other reported cases in which um, a McKenzie friend has acted to the detriment of the claimant to this extent. Um, when we actually went in front of the court, we couldn't find even a case which set out what the actual legal duties of a McKenzie friend were. We had to use a, an old case from the 1960s concerning surveyors. Um, there was a, a decision in 2017 uh, called uh, Re-H, it's a children's case, in which there was an order made banning a McKenzie friend from a case because of the um, input that they had and uh, it wasn't considered to be particularly helpful for the court. But... Um, this case is a good example of um, what can go wrong, and it really only was picked up because of the spectacularly bad outcome which happened to Mr. Wright. Now, now for example, if Mr. Wright in this instance had received a fairly small sum of money or even a large sum of money, and uh, Troy Lucas had taken a very large slice of it, it all would have gone away. We've never heard about it. But, of course, Mr. Wright would end up with a very small sum of money even for winning his case. The problem is that most of these cases don't come before the courts. They certainly don't come before the high court. So the extent to which this is a problem is only uh, really known by uh, Vox Pop and uh, comments on Twitter and so on and so forth. The judges might have a better handle on it, but of course even they only see the Mackenzie friend fleetingly and infrequently, and they obviously have no idea what's going on behind the scenes, and they don't inquire. In fact, they may not be entitled to inquire as to what exactly is going on in terms of remuneration or advice and assistance. Is the Minister of Justice looking at this area? Um, the Ministry of Justice, there was, there was a consultation uh, in which uh, it's not entirely clear the extent to which it was weighted in favour of one or the other, but the, um, the feedback uh, indicated that uh, there was various res there was some resistance, should I say, to um, banning Mackenzie Friends from charging. It's not entirely clear who was doing the resisting to that. Certainly the Law Society is very much in favour of that being banned. But as a consequence of that consultation, literally nothing has happened. Um, it's clear that the a uh, Minister of Justice at the moment is not particularly interested in this. Um, and it's equally clear that the judges themselves are not particularly interested in taking on the regulation of Mackenzie Friends on top of, for example, case management. Now, following this case, which has received um, some publicity uh, and there were some articles in the Times about it, 
um, the chairman of the uh, Judiciary Select Committee, or the, the Justice Select Committee, should I say, um, has indicated that he thinks is a pretty much of a problem. And uh, if he remains uh, the head of that committee after the new prime minister takes office, it may well be that the matter is taken up by him. And we know from, uh, again, uh, meetings with very, very senior members of the judiciary that they think it's a problem and they'd like to see something done about it as well. The problem is, of course, that this is one of the very few examples of consumers um, being charged very substantial fees for services which are regulated, in which there is, in fact, no regulation. So it'd be interesting to see whether, for example, they'd be happy to allow homeopaths or people who've got no training in financial services to provide the same sort of training on the same sort of basis and charge fees, and for there equally to be no, no regulation at all. And what, uh, what duty of care did the court find was owed by Troy Lucas to Mr Wright? One of the problems in this instance, as I said, was that there was no direct authority as to what that was. Um, what was suggested on behalf of the claimant was that the duty of care ought to be the same as a person who is holding themselves out as having this level of care and skill. And we used as an example someone who said they had all the skills of a surveyor, but wasn't in fact a surveyor, and was held, as I say, in a 1966 case, I think it was, um, to be held to the same standards as, as a surveyor. <laughs> in that case, what was he really? A juggler? <laughs> I think he was uh, He was a builder and, a, uh, and uh, I think someone who, who did did up houses. And he probably was quite a, an experienced individual, but he just wasn't a qualified surveyor. Uh, and of course, that doesn't really matter until things go spectacularly wrong, in which case people start looking more closely at the qualifications. Um, but in this instance, what the judges decided was that um, uh, Troy Lucas and uh, Mr. Ruse, who was the principal, ought to be held to the same standards as that to which they claimed they had, which is the um, an experienced litigation professional. And that meant, of course, that not only were they liable for the things they did and didn't do very well, but they were then liable for the things they didn't do, for example, which was the provision of advice. Now, the slight odd aspect of that, of course, is that they weren't permitted legally to provide any advice. So um, it's an interesting conundrum whereby um, once a professional, in this instance a quasi-professional, such as Lydia, as uh, Mackenzie Friend, steps into the realm of providing professional services, they're then held to the standard of someone who does provide those professional services by way of their job. Um, now, the implications for that may be narrow, they may be wide, one never knows, but um, Mr. Uh, Ruse and Troy Lucas were, were held to the same standard as, for example, a sister or a barrister. There are two aspects to the result of the case I want to ask you about. And the first is what happened um, uh, to Troy Lucas and, and um, w what outcome did the, uh, did the judge uh, reach? What decision did the judge reach? Um, well, the judge... The itself? Sorry, the, the, the judge um, uh, heard evidence from a care expert and uh, a medical expert of the sort that they w sh the judge would have heard from had the case been properly conducted and then formed a view as to what Mr. Wright ought to have received had the matter gone to a trial. Um, and that sum was uh, well into six figures. Um, the judge also awarded um, uh, the claimant, uh, Mr. Wright, all his costs, um, um, and indeed all the costs that he was ordered to pay to the NHS trust below as well. So the final sum was some of the reason of £300,000, I think. And, and I, I don't know 
the extent to which you'll be able to tell me this, because it may be confidential to Mr. Wright, but um, what about his, him and his poor plastic bag? Um, sadly, the uh, the consequences of Mr. Wright's uh, uh, operative treatment will remain with him forever. I mean, the, the plastic bags bits have been removed, but without going into too much detail, um, the, the problem is once you uh, make an incision in the abdominal wall, that means all the abdominal muscles effectively collapse, and therefore all the things that are, that are holding your bits and pieces in are no longer doing that. Right. Yeah, I, I guess um, probably a case of... Um, we'll, put a, we'll put a diagram online. <laughs> so uh, uh, it, it's your professional recommendation to everyone to um, remove the cling film from the sandwiches before they eat it. <laughs> <laughs> In some instances, the cling film is probably more nutritious. <laughs> um, Colin, thank you very much for your time. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Good to talk to you. This concludes our Hardwick podcast. Uh, We hope uh, that everyone's found it interesting and useful. Uh, If you want to uh, subscribe, please go to your your usual uh, podcast subscribing source and whatever medium you happen to use. And please click there and subscribe and we'll see you next time. Hardwick is a barrister's chambers which specialises in legal advice and advocacy in the areas of clinical negligence and personal injury, commercial dispute resolution, construction, insolvency, insurance, private client, professional liability and property. This podcast is provided free of charge for information purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and should not be relied on as such. No responsibility for the accuracy and or correctness of the information and commentary or any consequences of relying on it, is assumed or accepted by any member of Hardwick or by Hardwick as a whole.